Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. Hey, turn with me, uh, if you did bring your Bibles, to Ezekiel chapter 37. We're going to put it up on the screen if you didn't happen to bring your Bible tonight. Ezekiel chapter 37. I'm going to pick it up in verse 1. It says, The hand of the Lord was on me, and He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? This is what I love about Ezekiel. I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. That's a good answer to a question like that. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put my breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling around, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, These bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. The title of my message tonight is Waiting to inhale. (laughs) Remember the old, was it a movie, Waiting to Exhale? This is us waiting to inhale. I think it's interesting when Ezekiel shows up on this place, he had had some pretty radical encounters with God just before this moment. Then he comes into a valley where there's just a, a bunch of dry bones and You know, if you think about it, the way all those bones end up in the valley is because there was probably some great battle that had occurred there centuries, maybe hundreds of thousands of years before. Who knows? So it was a scene of some great prior battle and conquest, but now it's all just dry bones. Who who knew what, what actually happened that brought those bones to that place? But right now, the place is unrecognized from its former glory. And you could only imagine what, 
would have happened in that place prior to that. Imagine what those armies must have looked like before they ended up like this. And I think many of us find ourselves in this same place as these bones, where maybe we were a part of something that was glorious at one time, but now we feel dry, old, (laughs) dead, and just bones. I don't know if you've ever felt like you've been in that place. I had some good moments, but I just feel like I'm dry. So God tells Ezekiel a couple of different things. The first thing he tells Ezekiel to do is to prophesy to the bones. He says, prophesy to these bones. And I want you to tell these bones to come together because I'm going to put my breath in them. That word breath is a Hebrew word, ruach. It also means spirit. So when God says, I'm going to put my ruach into them, it means I am going to put my spirit into them. The Holy Spirit is who God's referring to. He says, I want you to tell these bones that's what's going to happen. And then as we read in the passage, bone comes together to bone, like in the right order. Flesh comes on it, and they stand up as a mighty army, but they still don't yet have the breath. What you see in this picture is a great army that's assembled, but they're waiting. They're together. They got everything they need except for one thing. This army is being assembled, and they're waiting to inhale the Ruach, the very breath of God, His Spirit deposited inside each and every one of them. And I'm telling you that bones and muscle don't come together and form an army at the command of the prophet. They don't come together because a leader said, well, this person's good at this, and this person's good at that, and this person is great at doing this, and I'm going to assemble all these pieces, and together we're going to build a kingdom. We're going to build a great church. We're going to build a ministry. It doesn't happen like that. When God builds an army, the army comes together not because of the command of the prophet. The army comes together in anticipation of the breath. It's the anticipation that if we come together, if we allow ourselves to be gathered once again, God will breathe on us and we will receive the very breath of life. Maybe the thing that made those bones dry in the first place was not that they lost their connection to each other, but they lost the breath. I don't know if you've ever seen a dead body before. It's kind of a gruesome thought, I know. But I'm amazed whenever I've done a funeral, been in an unfortunate circumstance, and you've seen someone who's, who's gone on. It's amazing how there's literally nothing there but a bag of bones. It's the most empty feeling in the world. But yet, if you've ever been there, at the birth of a child and watching them take that first breath for themselves. 
the whole room fills with life. It changes the atmosphere of a room. We need the breath. We need the breath. There rose up a great army. And it wasn't just a collection of the bones. They rose up together. They rose up in expectation that God was going to (laughs) breathe. Do you know that the Bible actually tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 19, it says, For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. All of creation is waiting for us to inhale the Spirit of God. I'm not talking about your physical breath. That alone is a gift from God. I'm talking about all of creation. All of mankind is waiting for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. And the thing that makes you a son and a daughter is that His Spirit is living in you. That's what God wants us to do. And He doesn't want us to gather together as a great army without the breath. With it, it changes everything. The world is waiting for this army to inhale. In Acts chapter 4, we, we see that uh, when Jesus had raised from the dead, in the very, uh, sorry, Acts chapter 1, this, this very moment when He's getting ready to ascend into heaven, and this is what He tells His disciples. It says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you had heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus. They're all gathered together in one room. There's 120 of them. This wasn't just the 12 apostles. This was by now 120 disciples at least gathered in this upper room. They are gathered together, bone connected to bone, muscle connected to muscle, but they're waiting. They're waiting. Jesus says, just wait, just wait, just wait. And in one instance... The fire of God comes. Can I tell you that that day of Pentecost, when God's Spirit came to rest on them and then came into them, they were baptized with fire. This is the prophecy that Jesus was talking about. It was the fulfillment of what God told Ezekiel. When God is showing Ezekiel a mighty army raising up, And he says, now prophesy the breath, and the breath comes into him. He's painting a picture of what happens in this upper room in Jerusalem with these 120 disciples. He's saying, Ezekiel, I don't just want you to see what I want to do in Israel in your lifetime. I want you to see what I'm going to do in Israel on the day of Pentecost. Because this mighty army that raises up, it's not going to stay in this little upper room. My intention for pouring out my Ruach, my spirit, into these 120 is not that they can sit around and heal each other and prophesy over each other. It's going to get out. So when you get filled with the Spirit and you're trying to send a TV show called Superbook into Bangladesh and you're going, man, we've only got five shows and we're supposed to have 13. But yet the vision God has for you is shooting a flaming arrow from this country to that one. 
It only takes one flaming arrow to set the whole country on fire. So I'm listening to this story going, only five? You mean we got five arrows? That's awesome. That fire will get started quicker. Because one person in Bangladesh gives their heart to Jesus, gets filled with the Holy Spirit, and my goodness, is that going to set that nation on fire? A holy fire, not a, not a bad fire. All of creation is waiting in anticipation. I want you guys to see that we are living in the fulfillment of what Ezekiel only saw in a valley. Do you know what's funny? The Bible doesn't say what happens to that army after that point. Like, what did they do? Like, they just got, they rose up and got filled with spirit. and now they, But that doesn't say, and then they just went on about their day. Like, what happened to them? That's a weird moment. Now, anybody ever read stuff in the Bible? Like, when Jesus died, it said that lots of holy people came out of their graves and started walking around. The, what, what happened to those people? They got out of the grave and started walking around. Did they just all of a sudden become a part... They died again at some point, right? That's just weird. I don't know. I'm going to ask those questions of God when I get to heaven. Probably not. But we are living in the very fulfillment of what Ezekiel only saw as an illustration. What a privilege we have. These disciples sitting in the upper room, waiting. They're waiting for the breath. Seashore, gathered in one heart and one mind, waiting, waiting for the breath of God. I'm telling you, there's an army rising up. There are things that have been happening, even over the past couple of weeks, that are kind of blowing my mind. There's things happening in the, in the Muslim world. I, I don't, many of you have probably heard of these, this dream of the man in white that Muslims are beginning to have in the Muslim world. You know what's happening? There are Muslims all over the 1040 window, which is like the most unreached people group in the world. And these Muslims keep having the same dream of a man in white who tells them that he is Jesus and he is God, right? Jesus is appearing in their dreams. Now, you know how hard it is to go in to a fully Muslim closed country to share the gospel and hand out Bibles? It's pretty tough. It's tough in China. It's tough in lots of places. God's circumventing all of these systems and all of these walls that are built up. And he's like, you know what? Don't worry about it. I'm just going to appear in people's dreams. If Jesus can appear to Paul, the guy who is persecuting and killing Christians, on a road, on a little dirt road going to Damascus on the donkey and go, you know what? You're not listening to anything else. So I'm just going to show up. Here I am. I'm Jesus. You're persecuting me. You're going to be blind. This guy's going to heal you. You're going to become a great apostle. I think God just goes, you know what? Your systems are great. I appreciate the effort, but I'm going to take care of this myself. I like it when Jesus does that. That's what these dreams of the man in white are becoming. And so I heard a story once of some, some missionaries that have, we, we've kind of gotten to know recently, and they're actually in a closed country, a Muslim country. They're Americans, but living in a closed Muslim country. And a lot of their ministry is just uh, is worship. It's just going to places and just worshiping, just themselves going a place and worship because, you know, worship creates an atmosphere. Worship breaks through. It's the joy-filled breakthrough we're talking about, right? And they were telling me the story of how 
um, there is a person who they had been discipling that was a former ISIS recruiter. Now think about that. They used to recruit for ISIS. Yet they got saved because the man in white appeared to them in their dream. And they realized, I've been on the wrong team. ISIS doesn't know that this person has done this yet. But these missionaries do. And they've been quietly discipling this person. And this person is having an impact in the Muslim world. So they show up and they want to do like a worship event in a closed foreign country. And they're working with the police chief. Everyone's Muslim. They're working with this police chief who has to rubber stamp the approval to actually do whatever this event is. And now they're trying to work within the system. You know what I mean? Like, okay, in order for us to have a, I guess a crusade, but you wouldn't call, boy, you wouldn't call that in the Muslim land, would you? Um, a, a worship event in a Muslim land, we need to go through all this stuff and do this stuff and check these boxes. And they're trying to do it right, but they just keep getting stonewalled. And now it's, they're being threatened with being thrown in jail for even asking the question. And it's just become this big hullabaloo. And this person who people know is this ISIS recruiter says, hey, can you give me a minute? And this police chief has been threatening, I'm going to put you in jail. This is bad. Forget about it. You know, you're going to lose your visa, all this kind of stuff. And he goes, can you give me a minute? And so everybody leaves the room and it's just this one guy with the police chief. And he comes back out about 10 minutes later and he goes, you got your approval. We can do the worship night. Like, what did you say? You know what he asked him? Have you seen the man in white? And the police chief's face just goes, what do you mean? He goes, have you seen the man in white as he appeared to you in a dream? Maybe. And sure enough, this guy had been having dreams. Jesus had been appearing to him in his dreams. But he had been fighting it, going, no, 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 I'm a good Muslim. I would never do that. But Jesus kept appearing. And this guy said, that's the same Jesus that we're talking about now. And if you'll give your heart to him, he can save you. And because of that, it opened up the door to this thing. Now, why am I sharing this story with you? And if I've butchered some of the details, give me a break. I'm trying. But that's the gist of the story. Because God is circumventing the traditional methods of evangelism and leadership and discipleship and everything else that we have structured as a way for us to encounter God. Sometimes those structures began with the best intentions in mind. But now instead of facilitating our access to God, they've become a barrier to Him. Because now in order to get to God, we've got to follow a pattern. We've got to follow a prescription. We need to buy this method and we need to do this and we need to be in that and we need to join this and we need to do this. And, and God goes, do you realize that when my son died on the cross, I tore that curtain in two, right? That anybody could now walk freely into the Holy of Holies? Like there's free access to the Father. You can walk boldly with confidence into the throne room of grace because of that. I don't remember having a three-step process to doing this, but sometimes the well-intentioned methods for us to try to 
build relationship with God actually become inhibited. And when we become blind to the fact that, gosh, maybe we've made it harder for people to hear from God rather than easier, he just goes, I got it. I'm just going to appear to people as a man in white. But if we, the sons and daughters who creation has been waiting to be revealed, and why are we sons and daughters? Because the Ruach is inside of us. Because we've allowed God to breathe into us. We've received the Holy Spirit. When we get revealed to the world, we see these stories happening. We go, the man in white, I'm using that. And I'm going to ask everybody now. And I'm going to pray. If that's what God's doing, then I'm going to pray that every Muslim across this world sees a man in white. If God takes some guy named Kanye to reach people that would have never heard him before, I'm, if we're sons and daughters... And I'm not saying, this is not me bagging Kanye or endorsing Kanye. I'm just saying, if we're sons and daughters and we see that, and there's something that leaps inside of us, right? Then we go, I'm praying that he reaches everybody we possibly can. God, use that. I sense you're doing something, and I'm praying into that thing. Those are sons and daughters that have been revealed to the world, and we start praying for what God is already doing rather than trying to make our system work. Because sometimes the system worked for a season, but it doesn't work anymore. And the essence of religion is to cling on to a system that no longer works. It's been at least 10 people in the last few weeks that Romy and I haven't been talking to or engaged with, have reached out to us, some in this church, some not in this church that have been woken up at 4 a.m. in the morning, specifically at 4 a.m. in the morning. And they've all gotten very similar words from God. And the essence of this word is that God is wanting to speak directly to people, and He's raising up generations of leaders who are helping people to hear from God for themselves. And that He is bypassing, not saying all these systems are bad, but God sometimes bypasses it because He just wants to do it quicker. He understands how important it is for you to receive the breath, how important it is that you can hear and know his voice. And so he's just going, I'm just going to take a shortcut. And he doesn't ask permission to do it. He doesn't ask your pastor, is it okay if I talk to Brent? I don't don't get in my prayer time God going, hey, Clayton, are you cool if I ask Brent something real quick? Is it it okay? I mean, hey, I've got something for Kay to do that's like important. Would you release Kay to do this thing for me? God doesn't ask me those questions. He just goes, son, as he talks to me, would you teach them to hear from me? And would you trust them to hear from me? And would you encourage them to obey me, even if what I tell them to do is not what you had in mind? Now, that's a question I'm afraid to say no to. Remember how Ezekiel said, Oh Lord, only you know? That's one of my prayers too. That's the heartbeat of seashore, is that you guys would be able to hear from God for yourselves, that you'd have the courage to obey Him at all cost, and that you would begin to reap the fruit of the obedient life and what that brings to you. I know a lot of your stories, and I know the cost of your obedience. But what you can't see yet is the fruit on the other side of that obedience. 
What God had intended for his people was a land flowing with milk and honey. Fruit so big they had to carry it on a pole, like with two people hanging off, like the grapes were that big. Yet they longed for the leeks and the garlic of Egypt. What God has for you on the other side of obedience is so much sweeter than what you have now. And if you'll just keep saying yes to him, you're going to taste of that fruit. I do believe that there are people being assembled like this army. They're starting to come together. And to be honest, some of the coming together is because they've been dissatisfied. They're coming together because they're going, I I was watching a U2, uh, boy, my mind goes off. We spent like way too much time on YouTube watching the U2 concert last night. Remember that U2 song? I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I feel like there's people that are being assembled that still haven't found what they're looking for. It was good for a season, but this can't be it. This can't be it. And they're starting to feel more like a valley of dry bones than an assembled army. But now these people whose bones were dry are beginning to assemble. But they don't have the breath yet. And the problem is, if you have an army that gets assembled but doesn't have the breath, they just stand around doing nothing. Or even worse, they go out to fight a war that they're not yet equipped for. They're waiting to inhale. Many armies have been left assembled but uninspired. Inspired. You hear the word inspiration? It means, that's what inspiration means, to inspire, right? Is to receive breath. And we need an army that's inspired. Sometimes these armies look pretty awesome, but they still feel like dry bones. I've seen some great organizations doing great work. They, they look powerful and impactful, and they are having influence in the community, but they're dry. And that's not God's intention for us. His intention for us is that we would receive His Spirit. So He tells Ezekiel, speak to the breath. Let me tell you a couple things as we close tonight. Some of the things this breath will do. So as we begin to assemble as an army... He wants us to receive the breath. That means He wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. That means the process of being filled with or baptized in the Holy Spirit is a continual process for the disciple. It's not just a one-time event. I got baptized in the Spirit, I spoke in tongues, and I'm good. No, it's a process of continual filling with the Holy Spirit. That's what He wants for us. The first thing it does is it makes us alive. When we receive the breath, it makes us alive. What made these bones alive is that they received the breath. You look at the disciples. Do you know why those 120 disciples in the book of Acts were gathered together in one room? Do you know why they were gathered together? 
because they were scared to death. There was no noble purpose. They weren't gathering together, writing out battle plans. All right, first we're going to take Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then the outermost parts. They're going, we are going to die. They're killing everybody. This is our last hope. Hide. They were hiding, cowering in an upper room. There's one moment when Jesus just walks through a wall and ends up in their presence. They're like, oh my gosh, stop doing that. They're scared to death. But when the breath comes, oh, you look at the disciples' life after that day. They were most encouraged when they saw Jesus raised from the dead. But they were empowered when the Holy Spirit came. And from that moment on, the church was birthed. And most of them, all but one, went to lead a martyr's death. Some of them died horrible deaths, but they were inspired. They were willing to count any cost because they had the breath of God in them. Second thing that the breath helps us do, the breath allows us to both hear and speak. It's an interesting thing with Ezekiel. We see it in chapter 2, before this moment of the dry bones, When God speaks to him and he said to me, Son of man, stand up on your feet and I will speak to you. This is before the valley of dry bones. That's Ezekiel 37. I'm in chapter 2 now. I went backwards. You follow me? Son of man, stand up on your feet and I will speak to you. As he spoke, the Spirit came into me and raised me to my feet and I heard him speaking to me. Interesting. He tells him he's going to speak to him. And then as he speaks, the Spirit comes into him. And raise him to his feet. In chapter 3, almost the same thing happens in verse 23. It's a different moment. It says, And the glory of the Lord was standing there, like the glory I had seen by the Kabar River, and I fell face down. Then the Spirit came into me and raised me to my feet. He spoke to me and said, Go shut yourself inside your house. And then God gives him this incredible vision as a result of that. But we almost see for want of a better term, a pattern that's happening here. You see, God's glory shows up, and Ezekiel ends up face down. I don't think that's by choice. I don't think he's like, oh, this is a good time to go ahead and kneel. I just think he's like, oh my goodness, and boom, falls down on the ground. Then God puts the Holy Spirit into Ezekiel, and now Ezekiel can both hear what God is saying, and he can speak. And you see this thing happening to him three different times. The glory shows up. He falls face down. God puts his spirit into him and raises him up. And now he can hear and he can speak. He's already showing us in the Old Testament that this process of being filled with the Holy Spirit is a continual process. That when his glory shows up, sometimes you're going to end up on your face He will fill you with His Spirit, and then He will raise you up to both hear Him and speak for Him as well. Do you remember, did you guys ever have that in elementary school? My kids went through this, the water cycle, the water cycle song. Anybody have that? Evaporation, precipitation. No? No, it's not that. Evaporation, condensation, precipitation, the water cycle. Nobody had that song? 
Evaporation, condensation, precipitation, the water cycle. You never had that? Mike had it. Thanks, Mike. I'm getting a mercy hand. Mike, Mike remembered his high school days. Liam remembers it. He just refuses to acknowledge it. I think there's a little bit of a cycle here that helps me remember, and I'm not going to sing it to you this time, but it's glorification, supplication, inspiration, communication. That helps me. Maybe it doesn't for you, but it does for me. Glorification, God's glory shows up. Supplication, I'm on my face. Inspiration, His Spirit fills me. And then communication, I can both hear and speak for Him. Glorification, supplication, inspiration, communication. Maybe that's the revival cycle. I don't know. Maybe it'll help you. And again, I'm not trying to preach to you a four-step method or a pattern. But I do know that the process of being filled has some requirements. And one of the requirements for me to be continually filled is to continually supplicate, is to continually humble myself before Him. Be willing that when I get into the glory that I have a right response to the glory. Some people see the glory and they're like, oof, I don't want any of that. Either that looks weird or why would I want to come into the glory? Because when I do, it exposes all of my nakedness. It exposes all of my bad things. Because glory is usually personified by light. And when I step into the light, I see all my bad flaws. It's like, remember when HDTV first came out? And now all the newscasters were like, oh my gosh, we need a whole lot more makeup than we did before. Because now you can see every single flaw. And NBC and CBS, you're like, we're good, we got that. And PBS was like, oh my gosh, we haven't had budget for this. We need, we need better looking uh, newscasters. That was literally a thing they went through because when you step into high definition, when you step into the light, all the flaws get exposed. Some people treat the glory of God the same way. When I get into the glory of God, all my faults are exposed, so I'd rather leave so nobody else sees my faults. And you never get inspired. You end up gathering together with other people who did the same thing. And now you're an army gathered together, bone to bone, muscle to muscle, but no inspiration, no power. So now you're looking for the 12-step method. Now you're looking for uh, what series can I buy? What, what preacher can I watch on TV? What, what can I? Pl- Somebody please tell me what I need to do. Because you can't hear. And you can't speak. But if you gather enough people to your camp, you'll feel like you've accomplished something. Let's go feed the homeless. Let's love people. Let's accept everybody. Because then we feel like we've done some good. But when it comes to the kingdom, you're just uninspired. This isn't what God wants for us. God wants us first to experience His glory. And when we do, to have a right response and go, like Isaiah, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips who lives amongst a people of unclean lips. I'm not saying you have to physically get down on the carpet, but it's a condition of your heart that says, when I see the glory, a right response for me is to humble myself and go, God, I need you, because then you get the breath. And he says, that's my son. And if you will continue to do that, 
and live a life that has a heart that's willing to go, I need what you have. And in order for me to get it, I've got to surrender my heart to you. He will keep breathing and breathing and breathing and breathing and breathing. And your life is going to go from one inspiration to the next. Because as soon as you receive the breath, then Ezekiel could hear God. When you supplicate, when you surrender your heart to Him and He fills you with His Spirit, now what seems so distant, you'll hear Him so clearly. And when you begin to hear His voice, this is what I hear from you guys. Oh my gosh, that's been His voice all along. Because sometimes hearing the voice of God can be retroactive. You begin to hear Him now, and then you realize, wait, that was you here, and that was you then, and that was you there, and that, that was definitely not you, but this one was. Because you become a discerner. God wants to breathe into you so that you will hear. And once you hear, you can speak. And now your speaking is no longer with wise and persuasive words, but as Paul said, it's with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. God wants to breathe into us. The last thing it does is the breath eliminates our need for greater numbers. The breath eliminates our need for greater numbers. I love crowds. I used to hate them when I was younger, but I love crowds. But a crowd's not needed for His power to be at work in you. Jesus said in Matthew 18, Again, truly I tell you, if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. I often think the devil sits there talking to his demons going, Whatever you do, don't let two of them get together. Hey, if they don't have the Ruach, you can get as many of them together as you want. You can build, they can build what they want, they can do what they want. They're breathless soldiers. And if you're a breathless soldier, you can get, gather as many people as you want, it won't mean a thing. But if you get two inspired warriors together, then everything the devil has worked to build is now threatened. That means every generational curse that you thought you've been living under, you gather with one other inspired believer and start proclaiming God's promises over that. And the devil goes, dang it, do you know how many generations it took for me to get this curse on you? Do you know how many people I had to afflict and lie to and convince that God wasn't good for you to live with this infirmity? And now all you did was get filled with the Holy Spirit, gathered with another spirit-filled believer and claim the promises of God and all that work is gone? Are you kidding me? How frustrating is it for the devil? Two. That's all it takes. Where two or more are gathered. Two inspired believers are a bigger threat to the enemy than a whole army full of ones who have not supplicated themselves and received the breath of God into them. I find that encouraging because numbers in the kingdom mean something totally different than they do to the world. Amen? So I want to pray for you tonight. Is that okay? It's Christmas time. A lot of you guys are out Christmas shopping or going to be soon. 
But your Father has a gift for you. Luke chapter, seven, chapter 11. Jesus said, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God just wants you to ask. I don't know if you felt this the same as I did. But in worship tonight, I felt the glory of God. I felt it strongly. I don't know any other response in that moment but to surrender. I'll be honest, there's a lot of times I'm at a loss for words in those moments. I actually don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. And I'm standing up here going... I'm the pastor here. I'm supposed to know where to go next. And God, I'm lost. And he goes, just stay here. And I just begin to surrender. I'll start confessing stuff that maybe I didn't know about. I, I can feel his spirit starting to search the places in me. And I go, God, man, I, I forgive this person. And, and I confess this thing is sin. And that's all I know how to do anymore. It's just to keep bringing stuff to him. He keeps breathing back into me. And he's just going. It happens every Sunday. I got to stand up here and preach in front of you guys. And if you never understood the pressure that a preacher has to have all the right answers for the people, you should try it sometime. But I stopped that a long time ago. The only thing I can bring you is a surrendered heart to Him that He's breathed on. I might not have the best words. I might not have all the answers. But I know that when His glory shows up, if your response to Him would just be, God, you have all of me, He'll breathe on your heart too. And maybe the answers you've been looking for are actually just Him. Not what he can do, but just him. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to prophesy to the breath. And the way you prophesy to the breath under the new covenant is to surrender your heart to Jesus. And say, Jesus, forgive me. I need you. And you prophesy to the breath and you say, God, fill me again. Fill me again. Fill me again. I am yours. I am 100% completely and fully yours. And he'll fill you again and again. And again, and again. Father, I prophesy your breath right now over every hungry heart that's in this room. Every thirsty soul, every dry bone, every muscle that's been mended, that has stood up, waiting to inhale. Right now, in the name of Jesus, send your spirit, God. 
breathe into us again. Revive us again, Lord Jesus, with your spirit, that we might hear your voice and we could speak your love to this generation. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill us again. Fill us again. Inspire us, God. Breathe into us the breath of life. Come on, just begin to breathe. Breathe. Physically, breathe Him in. I receive your Holy Spirit. Heal every broken place. Shine light in every dark corner. Let no sin hide. Let no unforgiveness stick around. Get it out and breathe in again. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.